moments, you know, and sometimes we look for those tipping points, those moments when things that we've prayed for for a long period of time actually tip over and we find the blessing of God. And we have great vision here across all of our locations and if you're here for the first time, we hope that you'll feel very much at home with us. We're in the middle of a little mini-series about partnership. Uh, we started with this theme, All In, thinking about a verse where Paul writes to the Philippian church and he talks about sharing partnership in the gospel. Paul felt that with that church, there was buy-in to the things that he was teaching and proclaiming and that the church was working together to see vision accomplished. We, we talked one week about being attenders. We are attenders. And we wanted to address the issue of how important attendance, particularly on a Sunday, is because it's our one opportunity at the beginning of the week to give some good quality time to God and to worship, to do the things we've been doing together today, to honor God by coming, by bringing our families together, by worshiping together, hearing God's word together. And this thing called fellowship or koinonia, which is very important where we have a bunch of friends that are on a journey together. So we believe that attendance is very important. Then last week, we looked at the subject, we are connected. And we thought about small groups. And we want to keep on emphasizing that church is not the place you come to, but churches, um, all of us, and um, most of the time, of course, we're out into the community, into our workplace, uh, we're in our families, but we feel that to connect in a small group allows access for everybody to have their thoughts and feelings uh, brought into the whole mix. And many of the pictures of the, in the New Testament are to do with this thing called fellowship and friendship. Uh, Jesus talks about the church as being the body of Christ, where every individual has something to contribute, something that's important. Today I'm going to tackle the subject, we are givers, and we're going to look at how with hearts that are generous we can give, we can invest into the church, we can invest in terms of our time, our gifts, our talents, and also our money. So to be investing and giving. And the truth is that if we are all in, um, and all of us contribute in some way with who we are, with generous hearts, we can do far mu much more than if we were just uh, individuals. And so we're passionate about this, getting people on board with a vision, believing that we can really see some changes. Just those simple illustrations of how a city can be transformed and changed seemingly by relatively small things. Your contribution, my contribution really matters. And in the heart of this city, along with all the other churches that are in our city, we do believe that as we proclaim the kingdom and live an alternative lifestyle, that the goodness of God can begin to permeate society. We do believe in city transformation. Regions can be transformed by the good news of Jesus, not just with words that we say, but with God's power, but also with our lives, lifestyle issues, where we live as Christ would want us to. The bottom line is we want to be followers of Jesus, and we want to do that together. And then in the future, we've got two more weeks where we're going to be looking at we are servers, you know, serving one another, serving God, serving the community, serving even meetings, I think is very important to say, you know, we're here, here like Jesus, not to be served, but to serve. So serving is part of a, a Christian ethos that we want to be 
a part of. And then finally, we'll look at we are prayers. All of this really will only come together, spiritually speaking, when we take on board praying, praying for one another, praying for friends, praying for breakthroughs. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling, sensing that the Holy Spirit is bringing uh, me to, you know, take more time to pray. Pray for those that are in need. And usually in my devotions each, each day, I have a little section, you know, pray for others. And it's getting a long section because there are so many needs with friends and people that have needs and burdens, uh, financially, physically, healing. I've got quite a list of people I'm praying for on a daily basis who are facing some pretty severe issues with health. Friends of mine, people that I know, and I want to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And as a church, we don't just be, want to be people that do things for a while, then get bored, do something else. We do believe in a rhythm of just doing good things. And some of those good things are being outlined in these partnership things that we feel are important. There are other things that we can do, but we've named these. We are attenders, we're connected, we're givers, we're servers, and we're prayers. And today it's my honor to be able to talk a little bit about we are givers, we are givers. I want to read some scripture, and we're going to go to the Old Testament first, where we earth it, and of course, when you read Old Testament passages with regard to giving, you'll find it's in a particular context. Often it's to do with the law that God has set for the covenant people Israel, and those things were very important for Israel, but there are principles throughout the Old Testament that get picked up very often in the New Testament and then placed into a setting where Jesus comes and he speaks things, underlining the Old Testament, bringing, but bringing a greater revelation with regard to a heart that gives. And so I'm going to read some scripture from Deuteronomy 15, reading from verse seven, and the context of this is that uh, there were seasons, every seven years, debts would be canceled. In the Jewish law, it was very important that needs got met, that people weren't bound for long periods of time. There was a thing known as the Jubilee year, every 50 years, where everything was brought into freedom, and every seven years, certain things were, were given a rest. Land was given a rest. People uh, who were s uh, slaves, they were given their freedom and so on. And it's into that context that uh, the, the writer tells us that, that the heart of, um, of this is a heart, uh, it's God's heart actually, uh, for the needy, for the poor, for all of us, that it expresses itself in generosity and in love. And as we go through these verses, it's amazing how up to date this kind of message is for today. It talks about the human heart. And I believe when we're talking about giving, whether it's giving of our time, our gifts, our talents, or our finances, it is the heart that is vitally important. So I'm not going to be coming to you today talking about rules and regulations that you need to follow, but I'm going to be coming and asking some questions, not only of you, but of myself with regard to how is my heart, how is your heart? A heart towards God, a heart towards people. Is it a generous heart? Is it a giving heart? God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. The generous God of heaven gives us everything, even his son, and we want to express that in our world. And often when that kind of love gets expressed over and over again, there's a tipping point where love kind of 
pours out into communities. Sometimes we call that revival, where the love of God just begins to change atmospheres and situations. And I believe that um, giving uh, is, is part of uh, God's heart. He gives over and over again. And we want to reflect that giving. So here are the verses. Deuteronomy 15, I'm reading from verse 7. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for cancelling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. If a fellow Hebrew, a man or a woman, sells himself to you and serves you six years, in the seventh year you must let him go free. And when you release him, do not send him away empty-handed. Supply him liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. But if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an awl and push it through his earlobe into the door. This was a symbol of ownership. This was a symbol of commitment. And he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your maidservant. Do not consider it, consider it a hardship to set your servant free because his service to you these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand. And the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So today we're going to talk about the power of partnership when together with generous hearts we begin to be stewards of what God uh, gives to us. We're going to look at, towards the end at what stewarding the resources that God gives us and how we do that with generosity. So we're going to talk a little bit about our generous hearts with regard to giving of our time, generously giving to time, uh, our talents on our gifts being available to the Lord, and treasure which talks about our resources and our finances and our investments. And I believe that it doesn't start with rules and regulations like you ought to or we need you to, but it starts with the condition of our heart. What is our heart saying? Our heart condition will determine how much God is able to bless us. I want to try and get across that actually if we embrace this message this is really, yes, it's about resourcing things. Yes, it's about needs getting met. But actually, it's about you and me flourishing. You see, when we have a generous heart and we're generous towards others, the Bible tells us that actually we're going to flourish. And sometimes that gets slightly twisted where we have a kind of a, a basic doctrine that says, if I put into this offering, I'll get more back. And we kind of think about what I get 
But actually, the heart of this is a generous heart that gives will always find that God will return over and above anything that we could bring. And, and that's true in every dimension. There, are, there is what I would call kingdom economy, where it doesn't always make sense, but the more I read the scriptures, and certainly through the Old Testament, you see it in the Jewish covenant, and then you see it in the teaching of Jesus, that as we with generous hearts give, there isn't just a giving back of the same amount, but actually there is an abundance. In the ministry of Jesus, you see that all the time. When Jesus talks about money, he always talks about returns of good investment. When he tells the parable about being given talents, you know, he says, you know, don't just put your talent in the ground, invest it, you know, make it work for you. And Jesus talks quite a lot about money and resources, but whenever he performs a miracle, you'll always see it's extra and above. You know, if we're nitpicking about how things happen, we might be looking, for instance, at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and ask the question, Lord Jesus, if you fed 5,000 with bread and fish, what's all these 12 basketfuls left over? You know, is this waste? Uh, well, I don't know what they did with the 12 basketfuls. I guess they got used profitably. But the point is, whenever we talk about God's blessing, it's always with extravagance. It's always with blessing. And God's heart with regard to the releasing of things every seven years and every 50th year was that the heart of God is one of generosity, freedom. He wants people to uh, act well towards one another. He wants love to abound. And that is picked up more strongly, of course, through Jesus as he begins to teach the great Beatitudes and how you live and how you invest. Um, can I digress slightly? I said the word Beatitudes and my attention went to you, Roger, just very quickly, and I don't want to embarrass you, but I, I just feel this quite strongly. I want to say to you uh, that the investment that you've made historically in this church in terms of time and talent, God is going to uh, bring great, a great resource through that. That, that actually the things that are happening even in the university today and among young people today, you had a part in that. And I think, I think God wants to honor that today. And it's a little bit of payback. It, 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 it was with sacrifice and it was with hours put in and it was with lots of notes, I guess, knowing you about Beatitudes and, and etc. But I, I want to honor that because the... The, the time we give, the time we spend on this journey through life, you know, it's possible sometimes to serve for a while and then feel, you know, did I achieve something? I'm not saying you feel that, but sometimes we do, don't we? When we've invested for a period, then someone does something else and we say, was my work actually worthwhile? I just want to say that, Roger, thank you for that, because I was around those years, saw what you did within spirit, saw the pioneering that you took hold of, and I believe uh, we are seeing the results of what you sowed uh, with a generosity that's coming back, and I, I'm, I'm still believing for some of those prophetic words in our university that you, you and others heard and worked into, so thank you for that. But I do believe that God is wanting us to be generous. So... Sometimes when you go to the Old Testament, people who know the Bible say, well, yeah, rules, regulations about giving and receiving in the Old Testament, that's one thing, but what about the New Testament? 
And so alongside the Deuteronomy passage, I want to take us just very briefly uh, to um, some words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6 and verses 37 and 38. Uh, and Jesus says, do not judge. I find the red letter Bible quite, quite a challenge. Everything Jesus says, I find a major challenge more than almost any other scripture that I read. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it says give and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Now the context of that is not money. The context of that is if you forgive with a generous heart, forgiveness will flow back to you. The measure that you use in how you deal with people, that's the measure that uh, that will come back to you. But more than that, I love the imagery here. Jesus is saying, if you are generous and God observes that generosity and it's a part of who you are, it's not just going to come back in the same, same measure in a sense. It's going to be pressed down, shaken together, running over. How many of us know that God always gives beyond what we expect? The more you actually give and the more you get this, you find there's an economy that works that's very different from a natural economy. You say, I gave that when it was a bit of a squeeze, but I've had a return that is far greater than that which I gave. Some people will say, I'm gonna give in order to get. That's not what this is about. But as we give, as we give of our time, I would expect if I'm giving time to this, I want a return, don't you? If I'm giving gifts and talents, if I'm giving finance, how many of us are gonna put finance into stuff that really doesn't get a return? I love this thought of Jesus that if we seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, all these things, stuff, will be added anyway. And I believe there's a kingdom economy that says if we give to the needs of people, if we give to, if you like, if we invest in the life flow of the church that we believe in. You see, these partnership is into the vision and values that we've been sowing and talking about now for many years. And I believe it's good soil in which to invest. Great things can happen if we partner together. And Paul to the Philippians is saying, I thank you for your partnership in the gospel. We're in this together. And so again, we're saying today, all in, all in. Interestingly, verse 38 in the message says this, given back with bonus and blessing. You see, giving not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And uh, we get it with pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's who God is. And so as a principle, before I give you some simple points, the principle is this, God is a good God. He's generous, he's not nitpicking. He's, he's always abundant in how he brings things into our lives. Uh, just look at creation and the extravagance of the mountains, the fields and the skies and the sunsets. God is like that. And towards us, his children, he is extravagant. God loved the world so much he gave the best. He gave his one and only son. Uh, to save us. But I put it to you, all of this is to do with our heart. It's not to do with 
in a sense, intellectual assent as to how we give, where we give, though God expects us to use our brains, but ultimately it's to do with heart issues. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's a very strong proverb, isn't it? Where we go, our heart attitude will determine how successful in life we are. Making wrong moves will actually harm us as we go forward. Making moves that are in line with God's will will enhance your life where you will flourish, where I will flourish. And sometimes there are blockages to God's blessing. That's why this passage that Jesus uses speaks you know, to do with forgiveness, sometimes if we're unforgiving, it's as though we put up barriers so God can't really bless us. You know, if we hold things against people, if, we, if we're not free with our, uh, with our conversation, if we're blocked, if we have a callous heart, it's as though God can't. He loves to bless his people, but that blessing, if you like, is restricted. So heart issues are the key. And so in Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 and 8, we read about this importance of having an open hand. It says, rather be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. And, and this general, generosity, a generous heart, says, do not be tight-fisted or hard-hearted. You know, talking on this kind of subject, you do have to be slightly vulnerable. And I would say that in my upbringing, generosity was not necessarily a part of the equation. I, I think perhaps my mum and dad, you know, being born on the sort of the, the back of the Second World War where the weather was rationing and, and make sure you look after your money, it was like in my upbringing, uh, there was a kind of a restrictedness in the way that I thought, I thought about money or thought about giving. And sometimes it was as though there was a kind of, um, I suppose I ought to give. And God's had to work within in my heart a fair bit. Um, if um, I was born with the name Stuart, but some could have said the middle name was Stingy, you know, Stingy. And I don't want to be known as Stingy. And I thank God I found Irene because her middle name was more extravagant and let's buy it. And together we, I think, have made quite a good partnership arrangement where we um, sort of negotiate. But I'm grateful to God that uh, I think there was broken in me a kind of a stinginess. And I believe that God wants to bless me. I've not always believed that. I felt it was a, a bad thing to ask blessing. And yet I read Jabez asked for it. Oh Lord, that you bless me. And I, I want to know the blessing of God, don't you? I believe God wants to bless you physically, spiritually, emotionally. Another middle name, I've got quite a few of them, would be the word sickly. My mum actually defined me once in a meeting as, you know, is a sickly lad, sickly lad. What a thing to be put on me, bless her, she's in heaven, I'm sure she didn't mean any bad, but I, it seemed as though I always, as I was growing up, picked up stuff. You know, I had all of measles, chicken pox, I had it all, shingles, I had, it, had it all, whooping cough, or everything would come my way, measles and German measles, it was like I picked them all up. I used to have uh, regular stomach complaints, headaches, and, um, and you could have said, the lad's very sickly. 
But as I grew up, I'm thinking, no, that's not going to define me. I believe that God wants me to be healthy and he wants me to know his presence. He wants me to bless physically and spiritually. And if you talk yourself into being stingy, that's who you become. If you define yourself as sickly, that's who you become. So I now define myself slightly differently as I've got older. And I thank God for health and I thank God for, for the blessing, I've, uh, and I define the fact that God has blessed me. He's blessed our family. He's blessed this church. That's who God is. God is not stingy. God gives, and he gives, and he presses it down, shakes it together, and it always runs over in blessing. So don't, don't get this idea, you know, God wants to keep me. You know, poor God wants me to, to make do. I was brought up in a, a little bit of a make-do mentality. Um, some of you know I, I shared the other day that I was the uh, captain of our football team, small but dependable. And, uh, and uh, I, I would have loved a new pair of uh, football boots, but it was second-hand. Often I got secondhand stuff from my brother that was bigger than me, cleverer than me, and uh, I always felt a little bit of a hand-me-down mentality. I must be careful because I don't want to give my dad, mum and dad a bad press because I don't know, can they listen in? I, I don't know, but the point, the point is this. I, I think for all of us, we make some decisions in life. A decision to, to get the best out of life. A decision to give your heart to God. If you give your heart to God, if you give him the best, then he takes care of us and he blesses us and that blessing will flow out into your community. I'm not in this pr promising everybody, you know, full health and uh, I'm not saying we're not gonna go through some pressures and problems. We've had our fair share. But what I am saying is Jesus says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And he's with us on the journey. And sometimes when there's a fire, there's another in the fire. And God is with us, God is for us and he will never let go. And so it's this picture of abundance, blessing, a generous heart. Every seven years, people were released and freed. And at Jubilee, they put the flags out because God's saying, I want all of my people to be free. Freedom right, is right the way through the scriptures. Get them out of Egypt. Get them into the promised land. Freedom's in your story. Get them out of, the, of darkness. Get them into light. Get them out of bondage to Satan and get them into the life flow that comes through knowing Jesus. And so as we look at this, uh, these simple points, let me make these points. And I hope, I hope today you'll grasp them because it's, uh, it's about you flourishing, it's about the church flourishing, and it's about you being happy and blessed. And so, uh, number one is this. We are givers as we deal with a selfish heart. We are givers as we deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 9 says this. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought the seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will towards your needy brother and give him nothing. The picture here is of a good Jewish guy. Here's a person comes with a need and he says, well, you've only got two more years to go before you're set free. You know, pull the edges in, do your best. God will look after you and in two years time you'll get free. And God's saying, that's not the attitude. If you could meet that need, meet it now. 
Uh, it might be that there's just a couple of months to go and then freedom bells ring and you're going to be free of debt and this well-meaning Jewish believer is saying to his friend, hold on, you know, pray harder, do more, you're going to be released soon. And actually that shows a selfish heart rather than responding in that moment of time. How many times do we say God will help you <laughs> when actually we could do something about it? Or why don't you pray about that when actually a little act of kindness could resolve the issue? And sometimes that's a heart issue, isn't it? And I believe that we are givers as we deal with a selfish heart. Luke 6 verse 38 says, give and it shall be given to you. It's not a motive for giving, but it is a reward for giving with the right kind of heart. So we give us as we deal with a selfish heart. Secondly, we are givers as we deal with a grudging heart. This is where we give through gritted teeth, or we say, I suppose I ought to. The offering plate comes around, I suppose I ought to. But there's no cheerfulness, no cheerful giving. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 10 puts it like this. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. But then it does say, then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Some people don't like the idea that God is saying, if you do this, I will do that. But if there's a grudging heart, then we can't expect the full blessing of God to come into our lives. And I would say there have been times in my life when I've given of time grudgingly, or sometimes I've given grudgingly rather than from a generous heart. I don't know whether this uh, irritates you, but sometimes when I've been out with a bunch of friends, some bright spark will say, why don't we at the end just divide the bill between everybody? And everybody says, yeah, good idea, good idea. And I'm, I'm there and I'm thinking, well, there's a few people might find this a bit difficult, so I'll take a nice, you know, £7.50 um, thing and I'll be kind because if we're splitting this, there's people that can't afford it. And then you look round and people are buying steaks and, you know, 30, 40 quid in order that when we separate the bill, instead of me paying 750, I've got 25 quid that I've got to pay. Does that irritate some of you? Well, it ought not to if I've got a heart that's not grudging, if I've got a generous spirit. Of course, um, next time I'm going to get a big steak and I'm going to, you know, you know how this works. But I believe that a grudging heart, we've got to get rid of a grudging heart and we've got to be cheerful givers. You see, a cheerful giver is all my heart given to God, nothing withheld because I've been born again. God's generosity is working in my life. And when we have grudging attitudes, we are giving, we're giving, uh, we, we think the money, we think the money's ours, don't we? This is my money. All belongs to God, as we'll see in a minute or two. Point three, we are givers as we develop a generous heart. We've talked about that, but Deuteronomy 15 verse 14 talks about this. Supply him liberally from your flock. Don't just meet the, the particular need. Supply liberally from your threshing floor, your wine press. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. So we bless people as God blesses us. Does God bless you stingily or does he pour out his blessing upon you? 
And then there's the challenge in Luke 6, verses 30 to 36. Read some of those verses through. As the Lord your God has blessed you. If you were to go through a catalogue of blessings, he's blessed me in my health, he's blessed me in my home, he's blessed me with my family, he's blessed me with my work, he's blessed me in the church, he's blessed me with good friends, he's blessed me with food on the table, he's blessed me with the ability to be able to travel, he's blessed me with people that I can go on holiday with on Tuesday, I'll be forgetting about you just for a few days as we go on holiday. God's blessing is upon us. So we are givers as we develop a generous heart. Fourthly, we are givers as we develop a grateful heart. Gratitude, remembering. It says here, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember how you were brought out of slavery. Remember when somebody helped you out of a fix. And Jesus tells stories about that, doesn't he? He talks about uh, those that, uh, the unmerciful servant, you know, he was forgiven much, but he wanted his penance from another person. We've got to develop grateful hearts. So as I conclude this, uh, two points of application. The first I would call first and best. This little section has been very liberating to me. You know, we could have teaching on tithing. I do believe in tithing as a principle. Some people say, you know, tithing's Old Testament. Uh, and it is Old Testament, but I want to point out it is seen in the scriptures before the law. Not as, as a law, before the law. Right the way back into Abraham. It was a principle of creation. And I think I could argue that point from the Bible. But the problem is, it's not about arguing points which says, um, you know, let me give as little as I can, but it's to do with a generous spirit. And actually in the Old Testament, the tithe, it wasn't just a 10%, they tithed all kinds of things. And it's not to do with how much you give, it's to do with how you give, your response to God, your gratitude. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. And here's the point, if God would give his first and best for us, why wouldn't we give our first and best to God? If you give your first and best to God in every area of your life, but in your finances, uh, if you give the first and best, he'll take care of all the rest and you'll find it goes further than you could ever imagine. And the tithe, of course, meaning 10%. John Phillips, a teacher here years ago, is now in heaven. He used to say, what a brilliant thing that God would allow us, you know, just to pay 10% rent, to walk on planet Earth with all its beauty, all its goodness, you know, air to breathe, all of this wonder around us. Um, think a little bit out the box with some of these things. Don't think this is my money, uh, which leads us to the final point, which is to do with stewardship. Incidentally, I do hope that that you get into the rhythm of your life something of what I'm saying today about a generous heart and a generous spirit in all areas of life. Can I say, you know, into the young, younger people and student world and so on, get certain rhythms in your life that put God first and you will never regret it. You will never outgive God. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. So for some, it might mean filling in a um, standing order and saying, I'm going to do this. 
For some who are perhaps don't think too much about budgeting and organizing, I believe that this area of stewardship is so vitally important. We steward everything that God gives to us. And I believe the journey of discipleship around finances is one of growing in an understanding of stewardship. Just gonna close by putting a little diagram up that has four particular circles that shows us a little bit about um, generosity and heart. You see the one on the left there, the circle is all mine. I earned it, this is mine, I decide what I do with it. That's a general feel, isn't it, for most people. Certainly people who are not believers, they'll say, I'm gonna, this is mine, I do with it what I want, I get whatever clothes I want, fashions I want, food I want, this is mine. The second circle, and this has been a journey for some of us, where we say, yeah, that's true, but there are needs out there and I want to meet them. And so those uh, all mine with conscience, if you like. This is all mine, but there's a need here and there's a need there and there's a missionary that needs blessing there and there's, a, there's a, a, a good work that I could be involved in. And all that becomes commendable, doesn't it? Caring, sharing, and so on. And then we've got that circle with the tithe. And it, it, it looks almost bleak there, you know, the 10% given to God. And it's a great bottom line for me. I, I found it so helpful to say, right, at the beginning of my month, I'm gonna give 10% to the work of God and to the church, which is the storehouse, and that's what I want to do. But actually, the greater revelation is the one at the edge there, which is everything belongs to God. I know it sounds theoretical and almost philosophical, but if you believe that everything that you have, your gifts, your talents, your treasures, everything is given by God. So there's this thing called stewardship. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, steward it, work it. This is not where you say, you know, that last green, you give everything away. It's not that. It's not, I've God's given me, I give it all away. Sometimes people are called to that, but that's not what that's about. God, I think, wants us to steward wisely. That may involve saving, it may involve your tithe, it may involve giving to needs and so on. And I believe God wants us to flourish and on a journey, and I think all of us are on a journey, on the journey, the ideal is we actually hold stuff a little bit more lightly, recognizing God is our provider, but we steward wisely rather than selfishly, grudgingly. We do it gratefully with a heart of generosity. Let's just pray and then we'll pray one prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you today that we can be givers. Thank you that right the way through the Bible, people resource things. People of God resourced tabernacles, did a good job. People built temples through church history. People built cathedrals and things and great endeavors of mission and, and good works. And, and people have resourced so many things. And Lord, we just want to play our part. And as we're talking about partnership, I pray, Lord, for all of us. You'd speak into our hearts firstly uh, that we will answer this question as well as we can as you ask us, what is your heart like? Lord, I don't want a calloused heart, don't want a grudging heart, I don't want a selfish heart, I want a heart of generosity, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I want to live the Jesus way. 
And if it's in your heart to do that, God will give you a way to steward everything that comes your way. And I can guarantee that you will flourish in every way. So Lord, I pray for my friends that we will flourish in life, that you'll bless us. And when we're going through hardships, we don't give up, we don't back off, but we have a daily rhythm of thanksgiving and gratitude that pushes us through hard times and brings us into the promised land of your appointing. We thank you, we're your children, and we thank you, you take care of us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to pray one final prayer. It's a prayer that uh, we like to pray every service, and it's a prayer where a person can invite Jesus into their lives, into their hearts, to start this great adventure of faith. And so we're going to pray the prayer together, and then we're going to challenge anybody who is not yet a Christian, or you know you want to make a start on this great journey of faith. I'm going to invite you to respond. So shall we pray it out loud together if you're able. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. This is just a simple gateway prayer, opening our hearts to God, to Jesus as our Savior for cleansing and healing. He promises to give us eternal life. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And therefore, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time and you're saying, I want to make this a meaningful moment, I want to receive Jesus as my friend and savior, maybe you won't understand it all or you know you're struggling with certain things, but in your heart, you know that there's a call in your heart to give your heart to God in a, uh, in a fresh way. If that's you, I wonder if you'd just raise your hand as every head is bowed and say, I want to start this journey. I want to be a follower of Jesus. We'll just simply get a booklet into your hands. We're not out to embarrass you. But uh, to start that journey is so important. People do that regularly here in our services. And we invite you right now as that challenge to your heart you know, is, has Jesus got your heart? Will you open your heart and your life to him? If that's you, just raise your hand boldly. You'll not be disappointed. We'll get a little booklet to you. Anyone at all? Well, a few of us will be around for a chat if you need to connect with anyone. There's the connect group. And also there'll be people at the front here who are able to pray for you as we... Uh, conclude this service and students food is going to be waiting for you in a moment um, so Irene's going to conclude our service God bless